Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belbar with Equinely Inclined, the equine podcast for the internet horse community. Episode 196, Healing Hands, Bridget Meyer, Equine Massage Therapist. Recorded on February 8th, 2020. Brought to you in part by Pondside Digital Media with online strategy consulting and advising by sylviaschneider.ca. And this episode is also brought to you by you, our listeners, through your generous monthly support. Thank you for that support. Hi, I'm Sylvia Schneider. And I'm Diana Belbar. This episode will include... Wow, we missed the worst of winter. A PSA about hay. And what are your goals for 2020? Jump Canada Hall of Fame. And the interview with Bridget Meyer, equine massage therapist. And our upcoming event. So, Diana, it's been mm-hmm. a long time since our last episode. Indeed. <laughs> I, uh, I really thought that we would get an episode out on December 20th. I, I really thought we would. But I guess maybe we should tell our listeners a bit about our crazy lives. Yeah, well, <laughs> Sylvia, we didn't even see each other to exchange <laughs> presents until well after Christmas. I that know. was a fiasco all on its that, own. That really was a fiasco. Yeah, <laughs> but you were nothing like trying to surprise me yes but surprise we you yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway you were so sick and know. you know yeah. truly I really didn't want whatever it was you had and I didn't want you to get it either no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we went with we both went on vacation together yeah right? I know. my first one in 10 years yeah and we dragged you with yes, us yeah. And, yeah, kicking and screaming yeah. <laughs> and even though I stayed completely away from you <laughs> I got sick anyway just before we left so I was sick yeah. leaving well I don't think you could have avoided getting sick because whatever that illness was was widespread everybody I knew who was nowhere near me had it so Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah Yeah. well I told you that Mexico is a great place to recover anyway and it was Mm -hmm. thank you for that but we sure timed it right you know we made it through the worst week of winter weather in Alberta you know you're right about perfect timing I'd been watching the forecast after we made all our plans to be away and I could see the weather here was 10 Tanking. But we didn't know how bad. I I could see it was tanking and then warming up just for <laughs> yeah. our return. But you're right. We didn't know how bad it was. Yeah. So. So what did we avoid? Well, <laughs> well, did you make it brief? Minus 40 with a wind chill taking it down to minus 50. Yes. Centigrade. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but it's funny. Because, you know, usually when the temperature drops to minus 30 or so. Yeah. It's usually sunny. Yeah. And the wind drops off. Yeah. And, you know, it's not bad at all. But this time, the winds continued. It snowed. I know, I and know. it was brutal. You know, and I think that we should elaborate for our listeners who think in Fahrenheit. Because we're talking in Celsius. But, but for the same temperature at minus 40, it's minus 40 Celsius or mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. Yeah. But below minus 50 Celsius, it's actually minus 58 in Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you hey? imagine like I like I I don't know I feel like I dodged a bullet yeah 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 <laughs> there was one night I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about the horses on the weather back home yeah I kind of forgot that it was winter <laughs> you know I mean the day one I couldn't understand why you were talking about being worried first about the birds yeah because I wanted to make sure there was enough right. seed for and the I'm, birds I'm going why why are you so worried about the birds yeah it's nice out <laughs> <laughs> nice out here. Yeah, so I totally, totally got into summer. I love the way that you can just let that all go because I just can't. My brain doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, you know, in cold weather, um, you know, dry cold is better than damp cold. It, oh, heck yeah. That kind of cold just goes right through your bones. Yeah. I, I know. You know, when I came home, uh, Glenn was telling me that the our horses were happy as larks through mm-hmm. that cold weather. They right. never showed any concern at all. No, but the thing is, is well, I was really worried for Tim mm-hmm. because he's alone in a pen by himself, mm-hmm. and I mean they they keep him alone because they want him to to get all the hay. Because yeah. if he decides he wants to go lay down after the hay's been put out, the other horses would just Eat take it, it away up. from him. Yeah. So anyway, when I returned, I learned that they had brought the horses in every night of the cold spell and kept them inside on the cold 
coldest days. And I was so grateful, despite the fact that my bill was higher, I didn't care. Oh, you know? that's awesome. Yeah. And, and one thing I, I totally appreciated about the cold was that it was cold enough to put an appreciable setback to the pine beetle infestation in parts of Canada. <laughs> I know, we talked <laughs> about that. like, yay! <laughs> so they're estimating, I, I looked into this when yeah. we were talking about I know that. this is so non-horsey, but yeah. I, I, it <clears> throat> does throat> has a horsey impacts anyway. So. Yeah, because, I mean, if you want to travel on horseback around the parks around Jasper <laughs> yeah. and that in Alberta, yeah. uh, you know, you don't want to travel through dead yeah. pine forests where yeah. everything is just rust-colored. I know. So anyhow, so they estimate that 90% of the population of pine beetles might be decimated, might have been decimated by that cold. Yay. So, and especially the weather was really good for that around the parks. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. But cold alone won't do it. And, you know, they're still there and (laughs) they're going to continue to be uh, there. But hopefully this will have helped. Well, hopefully there was uh, an appreciable setback. Well, hopefully the 90%. Right. But, you know... Having said that, talking about beetles, I took another look at that article you sent me. Oh, see, yeah, I spent the first week in Mexico surfing because I couldn't yeah. make my brains, you know, just calm down. While I and was I, trying to stay I, off the internet yeah, I know, altogether. And I, I did send you that uh, article on the ranch in Wisconsin. Yeah, so I, about, so I saw it when yeah. I came back and I looked 14 into horses. it. Yeah. That was terrible. The blister beetles. Right. So here's the thing about blister beetles. There's all kinds of blister beetles. We, we should say this is like kind of like our public service announcement. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there are various types. And what's common to all of these blister beetles is they secrete something called cantharidin. Is it like Can- a neuro- Sorry. Cantharidin. Cantharidin. Is it like a neurotoxin or something? It's a, no. No? It's a, po- it's a poisonous substance, but it... it uh, it's a touch thing where you get blisters right when you touch it but those that it not only affects all the mucus and so on mucous membranes so mucous membranes Mm -hmm. all the way down all the way down to the stomach but when it gets to the intestines and it's absorbed through the intestines yeah then that inflammation affects things like renal tissues and heart so this stuff can kill a horse very quickly right in three to 18 hours so, I that's, mean, that's depending on how many of these little critters they manage to eat. So, the difficult thing. So, there's three that are major problems. The striped, the spotted, and the black blister beetle. Mm-hmm. And they really like alfalfa hay. <laughs> of course. And, just like horses yeah, do. And, yeah. And <clears throat> so, when horses, or when hay is cut, if the dead if beetles get into it and get killed and they're in there that toxin doesn't go away right you know six years later a bale could kill a horse Ugh. right so you have to really that's carefully, crazy yeah it, it, it is it's pretty you wouldn't crazy. even know what's going on yeah and the because hay kept well can last that long the hay can look beautiful yeah right so varying degrees of toxicity so the striped are the most toxic so it's like they even say 30 30 to 120 of these striped blister beetles can kill an average, uh, like a, an 850-pound horse. Wow. So it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it, the symptoms, what it looks like is depression and colic. Yeah. Right? So there's lots of things that can cause that. Heck, yeah. But contact blisters around the mouth, you might see that. Right. Right? You might think they um, were something else, like maybe barleyons or something, you know? You never yeah. know. I mean, it can it can show up as yep. laminitis. It can show up as thumps, that kind of hiccuping oh, thing. Right? And, I mean, the worst thing is bloody diarrhea, blood in the urine. So um, that's what can really kill them quickly plus it can affect the heart so right so um there's no antidote no so all you can do is supportive measures it's important to get a hold of a vet right away if you don't know what what things what what's doing this Mm -hmm. to your horses Mm -hmm. right yeah especially if it's more than one horse Right then. Well, you, if then, it's if it's a, a herd wide thing, you're really going to be wondering. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, no antidote, supportive measures like um, rehydrating. Mm-hmm. You know, so an intravenous. Yeah. Um, um, what do you call it? Uh, coal. What do you call it? charcoal? Oh, charcoal. Charcoal yeah. mm-hmm. in a mineral oil. Right. You know, drench going to, through the yeah. through nasal gastric yeah. tube. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That could stop the absorption. Exactly. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so but preventative is more important. Right. So you know they it does tend to be an issue for alfalfa, 
you do need to check the bales. The size of these things, they're, they're not small. They're medium to large. Three millimeters to 30 millimeters. That's like half an inch to a, an inch and a half. That's big. They, yeah. But half an inch, five-eighths of an inch is not terribly big. They're mm-hmm. narrower, but still you could possibly see them. Mm-hmm. But if they're crushed up, you might not recognize them. No, of course, yeah. So if, if the hay goes through a crimper, yeah. that makes it harder to see. Right. Right. And it also definitely, if it's going through a crimper, those insects don't get a chance to fly off yeah. as easily, right? So... So there are some things that people that are making hay can do, and, and one of them is that these beetles tend to fly in clusters. They tend to cluster mm-hmm. along the edges mm-hmm. and, or in different spots in the field. So if you see that, you know, you, you for sure, you might want to wait. Right. Or you, or you might want to not do that part of the field. Yeah. Right? And they also said leaving a strip for them to have a place to go right. is also good. Mm-hmm. So ruminants like cows, sheep, goats, they're also affected by it. It's also toxic to them, but less toxic to them, slightly less toxic to them than mm-hmm. horses. They, because they of can their, dig- more digestion. Yeah, the ruminant, the, the fact that they have more stomachs yeah. tends to slow down the process of getting to the intestine, mm-hmm. right, where it goes systemic. So wow. anyway. And so mildly contaminated hay can be fed to cows and sheep. Right. So this was, uh, we found out, uh, we thought that this was mostly the mid, uh, the Midwest. Well, we uh, part thought. Of the but U.S. No, you know, it's US right and... across. It's right across the U.S. The, in the far west is where the alfalfa is cleanest from yeah. these things. But in actual fact, the east side mm-hmm. has more striped Oh, and the west has more black. Oh, okay. So you have to, it doesn't matter where, and and they are throughout Canada in every province. No. Yeah, but we don't know, you know, I, you know when I say that, I'm not sure exactly I wonder if the ones. cold kills them, no? No. Keeps them down? I doubt it. Dang. So, so here's the thing. On the upside, they're predators to grasshoppers. Oh, well, I guess that's good, but I don't know. It's sort of good, know. So, but, th- but that also means that when you have lots of grasshoppers, mm-hmm. you can expect to lots then have beetles. an increase in beetles. Yeah. So it's kind of a heads up that there could be Canary in the coal mine, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But on the downside, they also infest bees, beehives. Oh, no. So these little, these little critters, when they're in the larva stage... They larva. I think it's the larva stage. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they they hitch a ride on the bees when they're pollinating in the oh, clover and that, no. and they go back to the hives, where they eat 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 the uh, eggs yeah. of the bees. Oh no! And also the food. Well, and you were telling me something about they seem to accumulate in the flower clusters. So I guess... Well, they like the, they like to eat the flowers. Yeah. So the other and they thing like is, alpha. is they when, also like dandelions. When people saying. are doing hay they might be able to harvest it a little earlier. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't even read all this stuff. Clever you. Well... So it's true. It's absolutely true that it doesn't make as good a crop, though, of course. Of course. But... Right? but, <laughs> but having the bees yeah, makes if, it a bad yeah, crop. Yeah, yeah. If you harvest before the alfalfa flowers, yeah. then you don't run that risk. But they also talk about getting the first cut mm-hmm. or the later cuts. Huh. Okay. So it's the kind of mid-season cuts. So they kind of leave. They they leave once the flowers are kind of had their heyday. Then then the blister beetles leave too. Yeah, presumably. Oh so, man. So you know, just when you thought you knew everything there was to know. Yeah. Now it's not. I don't think it's a big problem up here in Canada, but it's certainly a problem in the states. Well, it may be a problem that people aren't aware of yet. It may I be. I think that's why we called it a public service announcement about hay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just PSA something more to look for because you know. The other thing is, too, like, they are throughout Canada, but they haven't really done a study on it from yeah. the last, from anything I could see. Yeah. But um, certainly, you know, I mean, it's not even great that it affects bees because bees are having a problem already. <gasps> they are having a problem. So, yeah. so it's just one more thing. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. You can't use insecticide to for your bees because it's <laughs> You know, it's going to affect the bees. You so mean you can't use them for the can, blister beetles because yeah. it'll affect the bees? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, this kind of goes hand in hand with something else that I just read, that France has banned five insecticides yeah. uh, that will affect bees. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I don't know. It's a tough, tough situation. Yeah, so they don't really consider the blister beetle to be that big a problem agriculturally up here. Mm-hmm. They don't suggest that you try to use insecticides against them anyway. And like we just said, that yeah. would also affect the bees. So, uh, so there's can, that. Can we talk about something happier? No, not yet. Because oh, you know no. something? Personally speaking... I remember losing one of my older mares, oh. Moonlight, yeah. to bloody diarrhea. Oh dear. Well, actually, I don't. That isn't what she died of necessarily. But she, <coughs> we she suspected, did. we suspected that it was probably cancer. But I, re, I went over to the field and found her, mm-hmm. and called the vet. She was very ill and on the ground. Yeah. So I called the vet in a panic, and I had a friend with me. And uh, when the vet got there, I was so panicked that I told him the green buildings on the highway and they had since been painted white years before. But I was just in such a panic. Anyway, when he got there, he was very upset with me because he said, well, this horse has bloody diarrhea. How long has this been going on? And I said, well, no, no. like I was just a basket case. And my friend, who also happened to be a nurse, Mm -hmm. said... I have gone over the entire field. There is no bloody diarrhea anywhere else in this field, and you can see exactly how long this has been going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said. So maybe it's cancer. Mm. But maybe, maybe not. not. Yeah. So, and you know what's interesting? That field had a lot of grasshoppers in those years, hmm. and so I just. Yeah, that was, I remember if, when that was, yeah. Yeah, if mm-hmm. when she was grazing, even, because it can happen when they're grazing, too. It's just more likely right. to happen... In the hay. In the hay. Yeah. And it also would be more likely to affect older mm. animals, younger animals, mm-hmm. than healthier animals. So anyway, so now let's move on to oh, something. Oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> please. Yes. Oh, man. Well, you know, uh, in uh, in news, I guess, you were telling me something about Jump Canada Hall of Fame, some new inductees. Yeah, so that's really good news. So, yeah, so we had Greg Greeno. Um, you know, whenever we think of the name Greeno, we always think of Gail Greeno. But right. this is her father okay. who just did a whole lot as mm-hmm. a builder. Right. Tons of accolades. And uh, um, then we have Wayne McClellan as rider mm-hmm. and the 2008 Olympic silver medal team of ah. Matt Cohn, Jill Henselwood, Eric Lamaze, and Ian Miller. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fun, right? So, you know, when, when we talk about um, Gail's father, mm-hmm. Greg, he, you know, he helped her a lot, yes. right? To mm-hmm. get ahead with Mr. T, yeah. and bought Mr. T for her. Right. But he also arranged for the syndication of horses for other promising riders in Canada. Smart man. And we won't go through all of those. He was also uh, heavily into the Edmonton Northlands. He was the president for the horse show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he, did, he did tons of stuff. Right. And... And, of course, Wayne McClellan as rider. But if we look at the silver medal team, you know, it's really cool. So think of those names. So Matt Cohn was riding Olay. Mm-hmm. And Jill Henselwood was riding Special Ed. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Eric was riding Hickstead. I know. Right? And Ian Miller was riding the Mare in Style. And you said 2008, and it seems so long ago. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I'm, like... Those are all Those such names. familiar names. Like it seems like yesterday. Yeah, it yeah. does. And and you know when you mentioned Matt Cohn, I got it. I've got to say, yeah, <laughs> Matt Cohn was my very first interview. Oh, isn't that fun for this podcast? Your very first. Oh, that's fun. Back in I interviewed him back in two thousand six, and then we started the podcast in two thousand seven. Yeah, and so he's in like I think one of the first. Well, one of the first ten episodes for sure, and maybe in episode two, three, or something like that. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, those are, I mean, that's really great. I'm really glad to hear that they were inducted. Yeah, yeah that's nice wonderful. memories. It is. And um, just back to the horses and a little closer home, I should mention that I was really concerned about not doing those exercises that I've been doing so long with Tim. And I know that the chiropractor told me I could do them every second day, but I thought, I'm going to be gone for two oh, yeah. weeks. He's going to be standing around in the cold. What can I say? I'm yeah. a worry wart, you mm-hmm. know, like I never quit worrying. But, you know, he was looking really great when I returned. Oh, that's excellent. It is. I think maybe staying inside for a while was really good for him. <laughs> yeah. 
And I've also started working Sky and Lance, too. Oh, great. Yeah, so I'm a busy person these days. And we're back to working Jack in the arena. So mm-hmm. I was feeling really guilty because I left for two weeks, but because the weather was so awful, yeah. it actually It was a good time out. to leave. Yeah, <laughs> and it's absolutely amazing how well our snow track is working. What's a snow yeah. track? Uh, so... <laughs> so we're we're riding outside. Yes. And there's lots of snow on the ground. Yes. But when you go into the arena, our outdoor arena, mm-hmm. you first walk the track. So I'll make a figure eight, a big figure eight track, mm-hmm. um, about 12, 15 meters. Okay. All right, each circle. Yeah. And we walk it first and we tromp, 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 tromp through the snow and we're all breathing nice with, and heavy. No, with just a, myself. I'll yeah. do that mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Then we'll take the horse in okay. and work that track some more. And of course, then you, you start out. And the conditions, I mean, are pretty much the same every time you go into the arena. Yeah. So you work it first and then yeah. the horse goes in and works it and you warm up first at the walk. Uh-huh. Right. And you're doing figure eights. Yeah. Right. And uh, then you move up into the trot. That's and cool. And you move up into the canter. That's cool. And by, you know, by the time you're done warming up the walk, the track is kind of granular like sand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it works <laughs> It works really well. And even when it gets icy and freezes or something, there's enough snow there that it breaks down again. Right. Right? Yeah. So it's like, it's. I can't believe how well it works. Like, I've heard before of using straw tracks where you put straw down. Mm-hmm. And, but this... To, to my mind, works even better. Right. Cool. So you just have to have the right amount of snow. Right. Right. Well, uh, as you know, I'm in a covered arena, and it's one of those fabric uh, shelters. <laughs> yeah, they're you know, fabulous. Fabric. I love them. They are, but talking the about snow, snow is, as we've said mm-hmm. before, so very interesting. It has its different characters and properties, and they change daily mm-hmm. with uh, the climate that they're in. So you go into the, the arena, and it's just snowed a bunch, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> okay, And so. it's all sitting on top of that fabric roof. <laughs> and then the sun shines on it. Yeah. And so I ask Skye, you know, I started working with Sky, and she was going at the um, walk on the lunge mm-hmm. and then I said to rot and she starts to trot and all of a sudden this massive avalanche of snow slides roars, down the roof roars down the outside of the arena roof and she goes did you say trot okay and she just <laughs> takes off so I mean it's, it's like it's very an, a very interesting experience working in those um, shelters in the snow um, Gary was saying like he doesn't seem to have a problem with horses when he's riding them because they really they really don't know what to do except you know keep going keep right? listening yeah but it's a little different when you've got them on the lunge yeah 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 mm. well you remember when we were riding one time in the in the arena and mm-hmm. it's not not just the snow on the roof, but there's also, there's not a lot of sound barrier. Yeah. Right. And you and I were riding. I was on Silken. She was pretty green broke. And a truck was coming oh, way yeah, yeah. down. Remember that? Yeah. And it got onto the rumble strip yes. on the side. Yes. And so this rumble strip sound of this major was coming closer and closer (laughs) there was not going to be any stopping her no we just had to continue to move forward continue to give her directions keep her mind on what she was doing right and you said she looks great wow (laughs) she's really what have you done i said yeah no we're actually in uh panic mode here (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah so it can be the sound too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. speaking of riding and horses, what are your goals for 2020, Diana? Well, I, mine are fairly easy yeah. to to figure out this mm-hmm. year, but also fairly intense. So just getting back into riding after my hip yeah, replacement, yeah. I plan to do more riding. Good. Take I, me with you. <laughs> I also plan to do more riding on the horses that need riding because I need to downsize. Mm. So I need so to get to those get horses into a, some of them, into a spot where I can actually consider selling them. Maybe right? I can help. Yeah. yeah. And uh, mm. and the other thing is I, I need to get back into lessons, back into clinics. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so. you know, I put that list of potential goals on our page for people to think about, but I'm actually not sure what my goals are for 2020. Mm. I, I did discover something that's really cool for people who might be stuck. Okay. Yeah. So there's a website with planning tools and it's called Whimsical. 
and like that's W-H-I-M-S-I-C-A-L, whimsical. Mm -hmm. And it has a couple of ways to plan. It's really cool. They've got a mind mapping um, tool and sticky notes, and they've got a couple of others which you probably wouldn't need unless you were really technical. And they let you try it for free. So that's what I'm up to at the moment. I'm making my plans for the rest of the year. As long as you don't procrastinate with your planning, by <laughs> yes. planning and not doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe that tool could even help me. I mean, on, you know, stranger things well, have it, happened. It's really cool. It's really yeah. cool, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm not, good at making lists and then not reading them. Oh. So, you know, planning for me is... But, you know, maybe you're not a list person. Maybe you're a mind map person or a sticky note person. So if yeah. you try... Mind to, map, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look at it. Yeah, it's cool. Um, anyway, can I just mention one more thing sure. before we move on? Yeah, okay. Um, I am really pleased to say that listeners should now be able to find our podcast on Spotify and TuneIn Radio. I thought I heard you talking about Spotify, but yeah. TuneIn, that's something new. Yeah. Cool. So, so, yeah, just a couple more places to find it. Excellent. You know, I haven't put it on Google Play because I didn't like their terms of service, and I read uh, all the legalese, okay. yeah. but I might revisit that. Mm. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. And I guess now it's time for the interview, hey? Mm-hmm. You know, it's difficult to say, but I think this might be my favorite interview of 2019. Well, I definitely agree that this interview with Bridget Meyer is a good one. There's some very thought-provoking moments. Yeah. It was such a fun interview to participate in. Bridget is so humorous. Yeah. So, uh, just a heads up, this was much more of an informal chat rather than a formal interview, but there are lots of good tidbits of information in there. Well, the informal chat, I mean, I think that's what makes it so fun. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting to talk to somebody who, like us, was horse crazy, but not in the horsey family <laughs> for sure let's have a listen well it's sylvia schneider and diana belbar here at farm fair in edmonton it's 2019 and we are with bridget meyer from vitality equine bridget i will never look at horses the same way again <laughs> you do massage therapy on horses yeah, that's right. And when you uh, you kind of showed us a horse and said, "Okay, now tell us what you see about this horse," and I thought, "Holy cow!" I'm you know like I I could notice things that I had never really thought to notice before. But Bridget, can you tell our listeners who you are and um, how you got started with horses and how you came to be doing what you're doing today? Yes, absolutely. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm thrilled to answer questions and uh, um, and talk to your listeners. So uh, my name is Bridget and I own Vitality Equine and we help horses feel their best so ultimately they can perform their best and be the happiest horses that they can be. So I got into this um, profession um, through a meandering kind of path, as one would. <laughs> That's always the best. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it started with um, a horse of mine that I was competing with in endurance and competitive trail racing, riding. And we were competing at um, the 25 mile and 50 mile races. And in one race down in Milk River, uh, after we had we had ridden for the day, I was palpating his back and just running my hand along his spine and I noticed a little bit of spasming which uh, I've since learned happens to a lot of horses after they've they've worked or been um, extending their back in a certain way and when that was happening I was trying to figure out oh my gosh how can I help him he doesn't need to see a vet he's not lame but you know his back is spasming and that must be painful Mm -hmm. so I instinctively just kind of started rubbing in and massaging not really knowing anything about the muscle anatomy well wait a minute I thought was yeah. that before you went to university? So that was um, that was after university, actually, <laughs> so just, just after. So I'll and I'll get to it. So what? <laughs> so where? Yeah, so this then, is the meandering part. Yes, yes. this is the meandering part. So with that, um, someone was like, oh, you should seek out the help of a horse massage therapist. I was like, what? That's a profession? <laughs> a thing? Are you serious? <laughs> I was like, Anyways, so I ended up seeking out um, the, yeah, I ended up hiring like four different massage therapists and grilling them on questions of where they went to school. And they all worked with my horse to figure out how I would get myself there. I kind of had a... 
you know, what is it, Einstein or Einstein in a bathtub moment where I went, aha, uh-huh. it wasn't Einstein, it was someone else. Anyways, and, um, and that was the profession that I kind of found myself in. But um, before that, I was actually a marine biologist. Oh, so I all right, had, well, that explains yeah, it. Yeah, so I have a, a Bachelor of Science in Biology, and I've always been enthralled with animals and um, cell physiology, as you know, because I talked about cells in our class today. Marine mm-hmm. animals are often only single-celled <laughs> Yes, exactly. So, but um, we've all evolved from them, so there's a lot of similarities. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, so I started in the marine biology field, but always with a passion for science, for shifting paradigms and asking questions in conjunction with my love for horses and a holistic approach. I had kind of been struggling after um, after uh, one job of trying to integrate my love for science with my passion for holistic health. Mm-hmm. And I had been kept keeping those areas quite separate, and I kind of brought them together. And it was in that moment that I was working with my horse's back that I was able to... Re- that I just really had, like, some inspirational aha moment an epiphany (laughs) yes and that's why the logo you'll see is um the horse's back oh yeah because most is the center yeah Yeah, because it was my horse's back that Mm -hmm. kind of encouraged all that yeah did you always love horses did you did you grow up in a family of horses Mm -hmm. or so i've i've in a family with horses in a family (laughs) i was raised by horses i only eat alfalfa cubes and grain when i'm extra good um no so i love carrots (laughs) i love carrots apples I'll eat it all. Um, but I actually grew up in in a household that was not horsey. But okay. I was the crazed, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old girl. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I need to go call. to horse. I need a horse. <laughs> and I never... Santa, bring me a horse. Exactly. I never did end up getting a horse of my own when I was a kid. Mm. But I was sent to horse camp, and that was my first experience. And I ended up working for that ranch and then when I was uh, 20 I bought my first horse ah, and yeah. and then I started working for an endurance horse trainer mm-hmm. and that's where my love for endurance racing kind of came mm-hmm. um, but yeah as a kid I did lessons and that kind of thing but mm-hmm. do you still get to ride endurance I don't you're anymore. too busy during the summer. I know it's like <laughs> I don't have time anymore to really ride competitively which I'm okay with at this mm-hmm. point in my life You've been there, done that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoy facilitating the healing with other athletes. Yeah. Right. So. right. Okay, well, this is where I have to say I love the part in your talk when you said, you know, when in the middle of the winter when it's 20 below and I don't really have time to go out and ride and it's snowy and icy and miserable, I just like to go out and activate my horse's muscles. Right. <laughs> Tell us more. I they know, must love right? to see you coming, Bridget. Yeah. Uh, as long as I have a carrot or something, Thing with me, as long as I'm not empty-handed, <laughs> uh, it's quite frequent that you know that I've gone out in the field on a day kind of similar to today, as Which it is, is in Edmonton, snowy and, and yucky, mm-hmm. and snowy, but and not yucky. too windy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not really in the mood to uh, put on a saddle or, and get all sweated up and work my horse. So uh, I just go out and I apply activations, which are similar to the human athlete. Um, if you if you're doing a squat, you know, your muscles don't really need to be warmed up prior to that. But by squatting, I'm engaging tissues, activating muscles, and at least I'm doing something. So at least I don't feel guilty for not riding my horse. I can still go out there and... Do um, him some good. Yeah, and do him some good and yeah. just get those muscles, yeah, firing. So what kinds of things would you do? Um, I would do anything from... Um, you know, a tail pull mm-hmm. uh, where you just uh, grab a hold of your horse's tail and, and gently bring it back for in kind of a pulsing sensation. And kind of straight back from their spine. Mm-hmm. Straight mm-hmm. back from their spine. Mm-hmm. There's also variations of that where you can bring it 90 degrees and bring it to the side mm-hmm. of, um, of their body as well. Another great activation is the belly lift, which I'm sure some oh, yes. of you are familiar with, where you kind mm-hmm. of tickle, tickle, and, and push upwards at their belly to really engage their core and lift their back. I love that one, although I will say 
not many of my horses are fond of it, but who's <laughs> fond of doing sit-ups when it's minus 20 out anyways? But uh, that's one of my well, favorites. Well, let's just go back for one sec to your rhythmic, because mm-hmm. um, I think I want people to hear that what you would do is a thousand one release. Mm-hmm. A thousand one release. That's the pulsing part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you would do 15 of those, you were saying, right? Yeah, I mean, I do anywhere from... Yeah, like 10 to 50 of them. And uh, Mm -hmm. you can, once you really build up your horse's um, strength, you can apply those those tail pulls. And yeah, as you were saying, I do them in in, in a kind of pulsing manner. So I bring the tail back and I hold it for one 1,000 and then I release. And then I bring it back and I hold it for two 1,000 and then I release. So it's very gentle and it may seem like I'm doing nothing, but that's the beauty of the horse is that there's so much more going on. And for anyone who rides horses, you know that less is more. Mm. Less can create a lot of changes. I think you mentioned a hip one where you mm-hmm. make a C out of your hand mm-hmm. and just with gentle pressure mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the horse from you. Mm-hmm. And they shift mm-hmm. and shift. Yeah. So that's... And that's another yeah that and that's another one that I mentioned in my presentation today and that's another one you know when your horse is standing out in the pasture and for those winter days you know when they're going 24 hours a day without with standing however posturally they prefer whether that's sticking one hip out leaning more on the right hip leaning more on the left hip whatever it may be I like to do those activations to get them to move and not just lean on the same hip all day long Mm-hmm. You know, so when so that that one particular hip activation where I make that C and ask them to swing their hip towards me, that allows me to kind of wake up that tissue that they're probably not firing. Similarly to us, you know, when we stand around all day, we've probably been standing on one hip. And, and you know, yeah. probably um, like I teach beginners to ride, mm-hmm. so before before a class, it would really be nice to activate the horse's core before mm-hmm. they go out or or work them a little bit, mm-hmm. get them stretched out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So funnily enough, I have one pony who's now 25 years old. She's the only one out in the field that when she's trotting, it's a lifty little trot. She's just trotting all over the place. Everybody else is plodding along. She, on her own, before every first lesson, <laughs> would stretch herself out. Oh my and gosh. she would literally, first she would lift her back uh-huh. and do the back stretch with the head tucked. Yeah. And then she would go down in the front yeah, and down with, with right or honor and I'd say oh it's okay this is the circus pony act <laughs> she would reach right down and bob down really low and then she would stand up and then she, I'd say she's not done yet and then she would stretch each hind leg Oh my straight God. out behind yeah. her. I've, and I've she seen would, her do she this. would do this every do this. morning. Yeah. You'd think she would do it before she got the rider on her back, but no. no. She always did it uh. after the rider was on her back. Well, she is right? the dream. She that is, is my dream, dream horse. Oh, wow. Know. That's amazing. So at 25 years old, she's still got a lot. Yeah, she's yeah. the one that's out there just dropping. Of course, her. it's because she's stretching her muscles every day. <laughs> Oh wow! So do you see do you see that often happen with horses that you've known that they? I mean, I've seen them out in the field do it sometimes, occasionally. Mm-hmm. But she did it so regularly, methodically. Yeah, very methodically each time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I'd say I have I have two horses that I that I see, or two types of horses that I see do that. One, um, one horse. Uh, one type of horse where I start working with them and then they feel the need to stretch out a certain muscle because you know I've activated some tissue or I've promoted a little bit circulation in one area so you see them stretch their hind limb back or do the downward dog and I have uh, yeah I have various clients that do that and then I have another type of horse that you know starts you know when I get to know them in our first session together they're unwilling to stretch and then two years later now they're stretching on their own like nobody's yeah, business. Yeah so this is something they can actually learn to do oh for so sure. i don't know how pepper mm-hmm. learned to do this yeah but i think it's interesting if you if you do do certain exercises like activating the core like what did you call it the girth the uh oh, the belly lift the yeah. belly lift yeah. uh-huh. the belly lift would be where they stretch up their back right? yeah. so if you did the belly lift and then you did the 
the back legs. You know, yeah. I don't know how you'd get them to do the downward dog. <laughs> I know. I've never trained anyone to do it. Almost like bowing. It is like bowing. It is like bowing. bowing. Yes. So yeah, but they don't usually teach that with both legs out in front. No. They have one leg down. That's so right. it'd be interesting to see if you could teach a horse to stretch like that. Then maybe you'd have a longevity I, ponies. Yes. Yeah, I think with time one could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Click retreat. Oh, that's awesome. Well, one of the things that you um, you talked about when I first came in is you were talking about how long it took you to stand this horse up square Mm -hmm. and bingo my brain went to so if a horse isn't standing up square easily because I had one that I could never stand up square that might mean that they've got a weakness or a problem in part of their body is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So how your horse's posture is when they're resting is certainly indicative of their postural preferences, which are dependent on what muscles are stronger and which ones are weaker. So if in an ideal world, we'd like our horses standing square as square as possible because ultimately that that is reflective of their balance. If they're standing square with their weight evenly distributed, then they're as balanced as possible if if your horse like the horse in my presentation has has trouble standing square where they might be camped out behind them or camped out underneath them one distal limb totally off to the right or totally in close towards their midline it's very indicative of which muscles they are recruiting and which ones they're evading from contracting Interesting. That certainly reflects upon um, how their biomechanics and especially how how they they're ridden. Well, and you were saying that once you've uh, (coughs) talked to a massage therapist, they can give you different exercises to do with your horse, and then you you can be very observant and see that the horse is better on one side than the other. And then just as when you're riding them, you would spend the time on the side that didn't bend easily to or stretch easily to to work on that side. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you work with other, um, I guess, alternate therapists? Mm -hmm. So I work, I guess I work mainly with um, horse owners and then with their team members. So Mm -hmm. what's so beautiful about the industry that's really, really changed in the last five to ten years is that now horses are are part of a wellness team and that includes the veterinarian the chiropractor the physio the massage the farrier the trainer um, and then ultimately of course the rider and the horse owner Um, and I do to answer your question I love working as part of a team I mostly work closely closer with veterinarians but I do have a lot of um, clients who also use all alternative therapies such as energy workers or um, myofascial massage therapists, acupressure, craniosacral. Um, So some uh, modalities that I'm not as strong in, I am more than happy to work with, with, with those practitioners as well. Just, you know, I always think more hands or more, more brains working together on your horse is, is ultimately better. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting, too, you talked about protracting and retracting mm-hmm. and how important it was for the limbs to both move forward mm-hmm. as far as they can under, mm-hmm. but also to move equally backwards mm-hmm. in order to have the strength and the mobility. Yeah, definitely. And it's and the reason why I mentioned it, um, for those who are wondering, protraction is just when your horse's limb is moving forward, and retraction is the opposite movement, when their limb is moving backwards. And a lot of the time we focus on that protraction phase. So, for instance, when we look at our horses when they're tracking up, if their hind limbs are, are tracking up to where their forelimbs um, were positioned, um, we always focus on that kind of protraction but something that we need to remind ourselves is that there's an antagonistic muscle movement which is when that that limb is retracting and we 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 focus on it more readily in the hind end because that's when where most of their energy is coming from and that impulsive force but if your horse is unable to retract that hind limb 
you know, aka leave that hind limb back for longer, then that spring motion, that kinetic energy that they get, that build up from that retraction phase is decreased and does ultimately also affect their protraction phase and then their general yeah. movement. Uh, that, so that, I'm really glad you brought that up, Diana, because that kind of leads me to think about a friend of ours who has a horse that is perfect almost in every way, mm-hmm. but has, uh, when she's tense twice now, he's gone to uh, take a boot off of her foot and she's wound up booting him and and I'm wondering would it be possible for him to maybe recruit a massage therapist for his uh, his mare and maybe see if that problem is some muscle muscle weakness or muscle tension or something like that. He did say that it tended to happen when the horse was upset Mm -hmm. was Mm. under stress. Under stress. Yeah definitely and I I think the I think that a massage therapist would certainly be able to help in this case for two reasons. One, um, because it does seem like a a little bit of a nervous response, a neural reaction. Um, And just as, as now in the equine community, all of our equine health professionals are working together, what's happening in our horse's body is that the muscles are not just working on their own. Mm -hmm. The muscles are working in conjunction with the circulation system, the nervous system, the lymphatic system, the fascial system, the digestive system. (laughs) Everything is working together. So when you have a problem, like for as you just described, I I start immediately thinking about tense muscles that when the horse is particularly upset, um, if 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 the horse is upset, might be re- even more so reluctant to either relax those tense muscles or engage those those muscles mm-hmm. so i don't wonder some of the connection there and how maybe facilitating the healing physically can help mentally mm-hmm. as well yeah right it might be an automatic reaction that's um, tied into almost an instinct because of the tension yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. which which yeah i did talk about a little bit it's 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 called that my it's called the myotactic reflex mm-hmm. so for instance for any of you who have picked up one of your horse's limbs and they've kind of quickly pulled away and retracted their limb from you when you're when you're picking a hoof that is a, a, a nervous system reaction that is um their nerves are telling them, hey, uh, we're in danger. We need to pull our limb away. Mm-hmm. So that's also a component that can be going. Well, and it's very frustrating for a farrier when a horse pulls their foot underneath mm. because it comes from underneath to boom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so a lot of horses never do that. They just pick it up and you say, hey, hey, come on, it's mine. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, at any moment, it could go from pull under to push out. Mm-hmm. Right? So what I, what I always do is I always and I learned this many, many, many years ago just on my own, is I kind of massage the top uh, above their hock mm. when they start to get tense, and they usually relax it down, and then we just carry on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's anything or if that's just an experience that I've had, but that's what I do. So Yeah, I def- that definitely is something because above the hock, in the, it, when we're talking about the hilum, above the hock, that's where most of the muscle bellies that that have started further up in the hip end as you go below the hawk you are you're looking more at the tendons that are attached to the muscle bellies and those tendons um, do not have as great of a circulation system as the muscle bellies so if you're massaging um, and those muscle bellies above the hawk those muscle bellies are connected to the tendons but you're able to better address the circulation system there so i didn't know if it was just supporting them and you know calming them or what it was but it seems to work every time so yeah absolutely Yeah, so the other thing you were talking about was abductors and adductors. Mm -hmm. So, and I loved what you said, because I can remember this either, that the adductors are when the leg moves underneath the center line. They're Mm -hmm. added to under. Yeah, you're adding to underneath the, yeah. Yeah. And the abductors are when it moves out from under that central line. Yep. So... Um, I mean, adductors and abductors are very important for people in their riding, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> True. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, so that's, I found that really interesting. But uh, what's the benefit of working those uh, muscles? Yeah. So um, I, I'd say 
while the horse has adductors and abductors both in the in their forelimbs and in their hind limbs because they can they have lateral range of motion from side to side but i'd say it's where I find that there's like a little bit of a discrepancy and where it's often overlooked is in the forelimb in the um, in the adductors mm. so a lot of the time for instance when I'm working with barrel racers and these are pro pro barrel racers on on the circuit when we they tend to over focus on the shoulder muscles and those are um, abductors Um, but as you know when your horse is turning you know you need you need the pectoral engagement and the shoulder engagement so i do find it very important to to focus on those four limb um, adductors to help um, to ensure that they're recruited and that they're functioning. And that helps with the horse crossing over their legs, Mm -hmm. too, in Mm -hmm. the front when they're performing different maneuvers. Exactly, So when you want them crossing over, I was watching a horse out in the arena in the uh, cowboy race the other day, (laughs) and I thought, you know, that horse is really trying, but really (laughs) struggling to cross over. So they could have really done with some adductor muscle Mm -hmm. stretching. (laughs) Yep. And I have the perfect stretch for that. Just hit me up, and I'll send it over. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of you up. So if people <laughs> want to find out more about you, how do they find out more? You have a website or? Yes, I do. So you can visit uh, www.vitalityequine.com. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, you can also get social with me either uh, <laughs> at Vitality Equine on Facebook or Instagram. Mm. Um, I do uh, I do quite a lot of updates and fun educational and motivational tips for horse owners too. How far do you travel? So I am based in Calgary and I am more or less uh, focused around there but I do travel to Red Deer, Pinoca, Edmonton area about once every three months or so. Oh that's actually a fair amount. Yeah so it's not too bad. I mean you were up here for this conference. Mm -hmm. Have you got any other conferences maybe coming up or or do you do people call you up to do clinics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do uh, ha- offer a variety of clinics, anywhere based from anatomy to stretching to activating to whatever you, you you're really looking for that has to do with soft tissue and your horse. Uh, I am always at the main event, so oh, yes. I'd say okay. that. So are we? <laughs> oh, perfect. So I would say that that's probably my next big conference mm-hmm. that I've. Mm-hmm been invited to or a part of so um yeah although um i will be offering a uh a a clinic series for um horse owners starting in february this year so and where would that be at your place that yeah that will be in calgary but i am open to to traveling around and maybe offering a few locations so we'll see great mm-hmm. awesome thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview with us oh my gosh thank you for having me you ladies are wonderful and i love what you're doing in the equine industry oh thank you so in listening to the interview with bridget i began to wonder if i should be doing the tail pulls differently with tim oh yeah yeah because i followed the instructions of my equine chiropractor but it didn't mention pulsing them so uh, it might be because he has specific problems, though. Or it might be the stage he's at. Oh, could be, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have her out again to have a look at him and just oh, for sure. make yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So the next time you look at your horse, by the by, see if it's standing up square or see if you can easily get your horse to stand up square. If not, there may be a physical reason. And I really wish I'd known that before. Yeah. So I remember hearing that from another chiropractor years ago, and I got to say I was maybe a little dismissive of it because, you know, resting a hind leg was normal, and I was not convinced that resting a hind leg, even if done frequently, was indicative of a problem, and that's what he was suggesting. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's a different thing if they rest a hind leg, even if if often. I mean, I suppose, because I remember getting heck from my um, physiotherapist because I was standing a certain way, People and he looked at too. me and he said, you stand up. I yes. just fixed that problem. Yeah, and you're right. People do it too, and it's habitual. Yeah, right? but, but if you can't get them to stand up square, no matter how much you move them forward or backward or side to side, you know, there's a good chance there's some weakness there somewhere. And my horse, Marty, was like that. Yeah, sure. I couldn't get him to stand up square for the life of me. So, you know, one of the things I always do is, especially my older students, I ask them to square their horses up every time they stop. Now, we do that actually 
um, even with the younger riders, even if you're in hand. So when you're you're doing a halter class, yeah. So you trot your horse and you ask them to square up right away, and it's like asking a dog to sit, yeah. Right when you're healing, yeah. Right every time you stop, the dog sits, right. Right. So it, that's a that it, sounds like a good thing. Yeah. So it becomes very um, habitual for them to stand up. Mm-hmm. So then if they're not standing up, you are going to notice that yeah. very quickly, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is habitual. Mm-hmm. You're you're absolutely right, and it's habitual in people as well as horses. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. the other thing I see too is that mm. it maybe isn't. It, it's it's really funny because you see the kids sitting standing in a line mm-hmm. for inspection, mm-hmm. and you always tell them now that you're still being judged. Yes. So please yes. sit up. Yeah. You know, have your horse stand up. Right. Don't get sloppy. Don't you know? Yeah. And so what happens is when a horse rests their leg, their hind leg, mm-hmm. the rider tends to sink down. Yeah. Into that position and You're slouch right. into the saddle as well. You're right. So when a horse tends to do that, I tell the rider, "Hey, don't follow him down with your seat. Get him Instead, to move up. use your leg. Tell mm-hmm. him to get back up and stay up yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they're less likely to do it. But again. Yeah. It's a habit. You're right. Right? Yeah. So, so I can I can never believe how many things I continue to learn despite how long I've been involved with horses. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like it's continual process. Isn't I know. It? Yeah. Yeah. Well it sounds as though Bridget is willing to travel up our way. So if there's anyone who wants to give a gift of massage yeah. to their equine yeah. or their friend's equine, they should get in touch with Bridget and see what she can arrange. You know Valentine's Day is coming up. Very very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just remind our listeners about the exclusive content that we have. We have talked about it before, mm-hmm. and we've talked about the fact that we have exclusive content in the form of interviews with all manner of Olympians mm-hmm. and other high-profile athletes, Matt Cohn, for instance, mm-hmm. and trainers and veterinarians and many other experts in the equine industry. And actors and actresses, too. (laughs) And there's lots of inspirational content there if you ever just need something to give you a kick in the pants. Yeah, and what I love now is that with the free episode guide, I can go in and look up a topic and review some of the information when I went to. Like, right away, I'm going to have to go back to my interview with the vet on PPID. Right. right? What's otherwise often called... Uh, Cushing's. Cushing's, Mm -hmm. yeah, because I do have horses that now need to be tested. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the interviews are great for anyone, but especially if you're a recovering rider, like you're grounded for some injury or other health problem, or you've just had a baby and you can't get going as fast as you want, (laughs) or if you're on the road traveling from place to place. Yeah, so a lot of horse people might be traveling down the road to clinics or shows or events or back and forth to work. Yeah. Right. Ah, absolutely. Um, you know, when listeners discover our podcast, they seem to like to listen to every episode from the very first one to the most recent episode. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, and as you mentioned <laughs> earlier about Matt Cohn being inducted into the Jump Canada Hall of Fame, you know, he was the very first interview I did for this I forgot podcast. That. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, my hand was shaking when I interviewed him. <laughs> <laughs> and it aired in one of the first few episodes. So it's interesting to hear how someone like Mac first got started with horses. So, you know, we should talk to them again about where to find those episodes. Right. Well, if you are wondering where you can listen to that episode, you can catch the earlier episodes by going to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash inclined and look for products in the about section. And uh, remember, the monthly subscription rate will continue to rise as more information is added. So, Don't wait to lock in at the lowest rate. Go to facebook.com slash equinelyinclined and look for our products in the about section and you'll find those links. There you go. Yeah. Well, Diana, we are making plans to be at the Saskatchewan Equine Expo. Yes, you said our hotel is booked and I can't wait to see the uh, OTTB competition. Off-track thoroughbred competition again this year. That's lots of fun. It is, yeah. I wonder if any of our listeners are going to be there. Yeah, maybe they'd like to join the Equine Podcast Companion Facebook group. 
let us know yeah. if they're going to be there. That would be cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're not too busy with our horses, we like to interact in the Equine Companion podcast group. And Sylvia and I create a personalized welcome video for each new member. And we generally do that when we get together to record the new episode each week. Yes, but mm-hmm. depending on when you make your join request, you might have to wait a little for us to get together. Although I think maybe we're rethinking that. And well, maybe maybe it'll just me doing them. Yeah, or <laughs> it's really tough. It'll I don't be like a come be- as you are somewhere. Come as you are. That's okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, we can record any time from Monday to Thursday. And today is a little unusual. We're recording on a Saturday Mm -hmm. because we just had so much trouble getting together. But don't wait to hit the join button. Yes, hit the join button. It would be great to see even more people engaging in the conversation. And I did put up some photos of the snow track in the arena and working in there. Yeah, cool. So, Next time yeah. do a video. That'd be fun. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I have a I have a problem doing videos because I always get too excited and too loud. <laughs> so videos, unless I put them up with no sound, would be terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, um... When you join as a member, please remember to answer the three questions when you're going through the join process. And let's remind people how to find the group. Well, to join the group, go to the Facebook page. That would be a good start. And uh, that's at facebook.com slash inclined. And just click on the visit group located at the top right of the page on the desktop. And it's um, really easy to see when you're on a mobile device. Mm, okay. So answer the questions, please. And we'll see you on the inside. Yeah, and if people aren't on Facebook, let us know what your favorite social media platform is. Mm-hmm. So you can reach us by email at podcast at mm-hmm. And hey, did you know that when you like our page, you'll hear your name when we welcome you at this spot in our next episode? Well, yes, we always like to welcome our newest visitors to the Equine Inclined Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So while you're at the page, click the like button. And then we'll welcome you here at the next episode. And speaking of which, right now we would like to give a big welcome to Heather from Sundry, Alberta. Diana, mm. we're going to be leaving for Saskatoon bright and early, February 14th. So we won't be able to get an episode out until we return uh, from Saskatchewan. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, we will do some Facebook Lives from the Expo. So. <laughs> no doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So if you want to make sure you're seeing all the Facebook Live videos, like the Facebook page and join the Facebook group because that's where there's extra engagement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of those horse crazy people or if you know a horse crazy person who doesn't know how to fill that horseless void, let us know. We want to help. And please find someone new to introduce to the world of horses. Mm -hmm. So until our next episode, bye from Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belbar and give your horses big hugs for us.